Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now this is gonna take so long out of my day okay i'm done but it doesn't but i just cry about it because i have to complain about something yeah listen this is because of that's who i am as a person so you can fuck right off thank you (laughs) goodbye she argues with the people that aren't arguing with her it's fine i'm sure somebody out there is like i'm gonna write a strongly worded letter who are you gonna fucking write it to who are you gonna write it to we don't have any bosses to me you're gonna write it to me because i'll fucking I'll fucking I just thumbs up. Good job. Way to way to put your big girl pants on and talk to me. I was gonna I couldn't I had no I had no threat. I was like I couldn't I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna t- t- today do nothing <laughs> I'm gonna hope you step on a leg. <laughs> hey, you know what? I hope you're successful in life and you can kiss my yeah. ass at the same time. Yeah. I- I hope somebody pays for your coffee today and makes you feel like a terrible person for being such a bitch. I hope someone takes that stick out of your ass because clearly it's been there for too long. I hope. Wow. We're so mad at all the people that aren't complaining. And asks you if you're pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, start the show. Thank you. Thank you for calling. That's not how we fucking start the show. (laughs) You're welcome. It is now. Welcome to I'm Sorry What the Podcast. I'm Christina. That's Amanda. You know the drill. What's up? Shoddy. Are you asking me? No, I don't know who I'm asking. You're asking the masses. What's up, Shoddy? (laughs) What's up, Shoddy? (laughs) Oh, Oh, a snort. It's how cute. I was was not prepared. Well, get prepared. (laughs) Be prepared. For what? Uh, Sorry. I was going into Lion King there. How are you? <laughs> I, I'm fantastic. I'm good. I got a little bit of a headache because I've been giving up caffeine. So I've been like cutting it down every day, mm-hmm. which gives me a little bit of a headache every late afternoon. Yeah. So it's hopefully within the next couple days, I won't have a headache and I can just have the pre-workout in the morning and it's fine. And that's it. Done with my withdrawal symptoms from my addiction. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as sad as it is, it's yeah. a fact. When you drink like multiple cans of Monster and like a cup of coffee and have pre-workout in the morning regularly, and you're trying to break it down to just the pre-workout before you go to the gym in the morning, mm-hmm. your brain's, my brain's a little confused. It's, it's confusion. What? Hey. Oh. I'm sorry. What? How are you? Good. Found out I have to have another surgery. We talked about this, but yes. Yay. Well, it, we talked. We talked medic- not not on here. the podcast. The medical miracle that is me. I now have to have sinus surgery too. And they can't do a two for one when she's no. already under. So, I which mean, is bullshit. I say some bullshit. Um, they're gonna stick a balloon up my nose and power wash my sinuses out. 
Whoa! To put it in layman's party. And the doctor yesterday wanted to look up my nostrils and came at me with a probe without announcing himself. And I almost karate chopped it out of his hand. Like I full on, like this was literally, I'm going to reenact it for you. I was sitting in the chair like this. And he came at me and I was like this. (laughs) So she, she was straight up because no one can see you, you dingus. Yes. Um, She was straight up and then said he came at me and threw up the karate chop hands in a crisscross ready to take him out if she needed to and i was like what are you gonna do with that sir and he's like well i need to look up your nose it's a scope and i'm like that's a very big metal tube And he's like i'm only gonna go in like an inch and i'm like well then start with that first of all how about we just let me know it's Don't only gonna be the tip come at me with a probe you need to warn a girl that is just the tip <laughs> it ain't never just the tip guys it's never just the tip guys <laughs> don't believe them never believe them never <laughs> never all right sounds fun not always <laughs> <laughs> okay oh what's happening over there? it just that movie is a great it is it, the movie is a great Nora's, it's a great it's a great nick and Nora's infinite playlist it's a it's a gem it's that a nobody gem in the rough that nobody, nobody knows knows about. it but it's a gem <laughs> It really is <laughs> balls deep. I woke up to guys ca- talking about going, going balls, balls deep. deep, which sounds fun, right? Not always. Not always. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I want to watch that movie now. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Are you ready for a story? I'm so ready for a story. Okay. I'm going to tell you about the Dayton Strangler. Uh, we're, all right. Jumping in. Gotcha. It's an early 20th century serial killer and was responsible for the murders of five women and one man in Dayton, Ohio from 1900 to 1909. Ooh, Uh, the Titanic. Just thank you. you. Thank you for that. I like to BT, I like gauge all of my life events as I before Titanic or after Titanic. I mean, sometimes I do me too. So We're in 1909, about- BT. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to say, I've been on an H.H. Holmes kick, man, which is like the late 1800s. It's like 1890 to 1890, whatever. And it's just, that was my thought this last week was I was like, that was before the Titanic. So it was the first thing I thought when he said 1900 to 1909. <gasps> that was before the Titanic. <laughs> Stupid ass. Just to clarify, we're in 1900 BT. BT before Titanic. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) Although a multitude of suspects were arrested, including one who was wrongfully convicted, the murderers remain officially unsolved to this day. Dun, dun, dun. So victims, again, if you listen to last week's story, it's going to be the same thing. Just a list of victims and how they died. So Ada Lance was the daughter of a prominent local carpenter. Uh, She was 11 years old and was found in a vault in her parents' backyard on October 14, 1900. The night before, there was a party in the residence, and while the adults were playing cards, Ada had left the house unnoticed. Half an hour later, her body was discovered. She had been badly mutilated and bruised with a scar from a blunt weapon across her face and had been raped. Damn, okay. Just starting off strong. Just yes uh (laughs) good one then we have donna gilman 
on November 20th, 1906, BT. The 20-year-old bindery department employee of the National Cash Register left her job and headed home. She was usually accompanied by her sister, Fane, which is Fane. That's a cool name. Yeah. Who was occupied at the time. She boarded a train uh, car with a group of friends, staying with them before her transfer at Arlington Heights. Then she got on another train car and which would stop just a few short or a short distance from her home. And she just vanished from there. They're not sure what happened to her from there. Okay. Uh, It was kind of an unusual situation as the night before she had just written a note to her lover, Stanley Anderson, Stanley, Stanley Anderson, Stanley Yelnats. You sound white as hell. (laughs) (laughs) Stanley Anderson. (laughs) Um, and her note expressed the desire to see him on that Sunday evening. Oh. On the night of her disappearance, disappearance. <laughs> you're stuck in the stupid ass accent. accent. Sorry. <laughs> a neighbor of the Gilmans, Robert Keyes, heard something that sounded like a struggle in their home. Soon after, Donna's body was found in some weeds 200 yards from her home and on the opposite side of the street. Her gloves and umbrella were also found. They quickly realized... parasol? Probably. It is BT, after all. Probably. The authorities quickly realized that she had not died on the spot as the crime scene was visible from many homes and that it was very likely that she was murdered in a nearby house and then her body was dumped. The police barred off the area from onlookers in search for clues. Uh, they allegedly found a book in which Gilman was reading on her ride home, but they didn't find anything else. Jeez. So then we have Mary Forschner on January 24th, 1909. She was 15 years old uh, and an employee of the Cling Tobacco Warehouse. She was described as unusually pretty for her age which sounds to me like it was a description from a pedophile. Yeah, that sounds pretty. She was unusually pretty for her age. That means she's underage. Stop looking at her weirdo. I'm uncomfortable. She left her home, the home of her stepfather, Robert Geppert in North Dayton. She was carrying a Dayton savings and trust company's deposit book with $9 in it. Uh, She placed it in their bank, and then her movements after leaving the house remained kind of mysterious. After she failed to return, her parents became alarmed. Guppert got himself a lantern. (laughs) I forgot about that. Well, it is BT. You're right. He got a lantern and organized a search party with neighbors without notifying authorities till midnight. Uh, Lieutenant Haley dispatched officers to aid in the search, but before they arrived, Robert Geppert noticed some disturbed soil, which led to a trail. It ended in the estate of Grafton C. Kennedy, where the aid of, with the aid of his lantern, they found her lifeless body. They concluded that she had been raped and then strangled to death. So two people have claimed to see, to have seen the assailant, Sam Morris and Mr. Mrs. John Sheff. Back in that day when they didn't have first names, they were just Mrs. their husband's name. Yep. Uh, Morris said that he had heard cries at about 6.30 and looked outside, observing a man sitting on a fence and glancing at a dark spot in the fields. He tried to approach the mysterious stranger uh, who threatened to shoot him. And then they he went back to get his shotgun and fired off a warning shot into the air. And by the time he had returned, the the man had vanished. 
And then mm-hmm. Mrs. Chef claimed that she had just gotten off a train car near that same spot. When a man appeared out of the darkness, she began running towards her home with him following suit. But the man ceased after she got into her house. So like he just came out of the dark and was chasing her. And then she mm-hmm. went into the her house. Um, in the meantime, another woman, Mrs. Powers, was attacked. But thankfully, she was saved by her husband, James. Uh, the man escaped but left his victim with nearly all clothes torn from her body and her throat severely bruised. Yikes. Okay, well. Yes. A survivor, at least, right? Right. So the coroner, upon um, doing an autopsy on Mary established that the killer had abnormally large hands as his finger imprints extended so far around the victim's neck. <laughs> Salad <laughs> fingers. I'm so, I'm so uncomfortable. I know, just long thing. Get your phalanges out of my face. That's, I don't think there's anything more creepy than someone with really long fingers just coming just, at you to strangle you. Get out of here. Get your strong you hand think, out of here. I was going to say, it's got to be like, long and strong you know what i'm saying because yeah. if if you got gangly ass fingers and you can't squeeze anything how are you strangling mm-hmm. people yeah gross he's got big old long sausage fingers you know like old farmers when they get the like super wide fingers because yeah. of all the working they get like strong hands but yeah. they're long you okay. like it i grossed anyway. myself out you go Thank ahead you. <laughs> hope you grossed everybody else out you're welcome so four days later a pennsylvania railroad detective reported that a man matching that description was observed getting off of a dayton dayton train car what a tongue twister uh, at springfield uh the suspect was obviously because it's 1909 of course he was a black man uh, uh. with roughly bandaged hands scratched face and wore corduroy trousers the same type of clothing that the sus- supposed killer had worn okay to be fair it could have been it, but I'm just saying. I know, but I feel like everything is that when, especially when people are trying to cover things up. Oh, it was, it well, was no, and man, there and was like, um, the reason me. I, I'm a little biased because in this, like all the research, there's like, I'm going to go over like a couple of the main suspects, but then there was like a list of like 34 suspects and over half of them were black and over half of them were because they bumped into a white person and had it on their record or they had an altercation so dumb they had an altercation with a white person so they were automatically condemned as um raper and a murderer god i Um, hate people bt mm -hmm. people bt sucked okay let's be honest people most suck i just hate people people in general general. except you guys because you're listening to us and you think we're funny (laughs) i mean you you might suck but at least i'm only when you're on your knees right Okay. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Only when you're spreading the word <laughs> and spreading yourself. <laughs> okay, okay. Back anyway. to the murder. All right. Anyway, then we have Elizabeth Fullhart, who was 18 years old, and on February 7th, 1909, she arrived in Dayton in search of employment. The day after she mysteriously disappeared, a week after she had disappeared, two workmen decided to open an old cistern, only to find her body wrapped in a gunny sack floating in the water. She was pulled out from the manhole, also known as a maintenance hole. I've never called them that. I've never called them that. (laughs) And identified via her brother. Uh, What was peculiar about this killing is that she had appeared fully clothed, but was lacking her undergarments, suggesting that the killer had redressed her before dumping her body in the cistern. Uh, Initially, authorities experienced difficulty in determining the cause of death. 
due to the lack of choking fractures on the neck. Unlike the previous victims, several theories were advanced, including suicide poisoning or that the bag was tied around her head and she was thrown in while still alive. At night, at this point, almost no female was left unescorted. And then following her death, the killings just stopped. Okay, so something happened to the killer. Right. I'm assuming because they seem to be not hiding anything at all. Mm -hmm. So suspects. First one's name is David Curtis, also known as Baby Dave. 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 He was a 27-year-old adopted son of James Curtis, a painter who lived near the National Soldiers' Home. (laughs) I'm having a hard time today. It's rough. (laughs) He was described as a half-wit. Oh, good. uh, According to James, ever since he was young, David had the habit of telling fantastical tales, which he described as he was doing. So it was a real Stephen Barnhart. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get it. Um, He was arrested following a tip from the Cincinnati Post journalist known only by the name of Myers and then immediately confessed to the crime. According to his story, he had noticed Gilman deciding to board on the same train and get off at her stop, walking on the opposite sidewalk and following her. He eventually crossed over, grabbed her umbrella, strangled her with it without uttering a cry. After killing her, he knelt down, cried over his deed, vowing to never do it again. So that was how he described the murder of Gilman. Okay. Despite his lengthy confession, it was doubted by many as he had falsely confessed to another murder two years before and was also exonerated from that murder. Um, Despite those circumstances, they made the coroner made a statement to the papers that he was completely assured that David Curtis was Gilman's killer. So they, it wasn't for all of them, but they thought that for sure he had killed the second victim describing him as not very bright, but definitely not crazy and surprisingly cunning on that very same day that the coroner gave that statement. He was suddenly revealed that he was threatened into confessing by the detective who threatened him with a death penalty. Uh, He explained that on the date of the murder, he had been distributing newspapers for long, for long after the crime was supposedly committed and only heard of it from friends Several people testified against him, but it was basically noted that he didn't do it. The coroner, though, still urged further investigation against Curtis because he believed that for some reason. Um, the next like list of suspects was the Gilman family. Oh. So they believed that... So on December 10th, 1906, they, they exhumed Donna Gilman's body. An arrest warrant was put out against her mother, Kate. However, due to her ailing health, she was under watch while two of her other children, Collins and Fane, were arrested as accessories in their sister's murder. It was reported that Donna Gilman's mother was extremely abusive and that Donna was locked in a closet at one point for simply wanting a new dress. And on the night of the murder, Donna was expressing that she was particularly afraid to go home. So they believe that like something like that happened where she was basically beaten by her mother and died. Like a domestic. Right. And then the kids covered it up. Um, Kate Gilman tried to commit suicide, which is the mom by jumping out of a second story window at the Miami Valley hospital, which is where I'm having my surgery. (laughs) Really? might be at a new location but yes but yes wow um they were all released on bond from jail on a five thousand dollar bond and basically they were cleared of the murder um and determined that they didn't have anything to do with it uh the third 
suspect was Leighton Himes. He is a black man. Uh, he was arrested on suspicion of killing Anna Markowitz and Abe Cohan, and it was late, later alleged by a sheriff that he had made a full confession. According to one witness, Frank Allen, on the night of the murders, he had seen Hines standing near the park's little bridge. He was greeted by Layton and greeted back. Sometime later, he heard four shots, but ignored it and moved on. The following day, when he heard of the tragedy, he quickly identified Hines as the man he had seen in the park, but they didn't have anything to go off right, of that there was either. No actual... Um, on the day of his trial, he confessed to never having a criminal record and to have never been intimidated into falsely confessing the crime or, and to have been intimidated into falsely confessing the crime. Uh, he was adamant that the assisting prosecuting attorney had abused him in the interview and that the coroner and the sheriff encouraged him to confess in order to be turned loose, disregarding the statements. He's still convicted of the double murder, but was spared the death penalty of the other murders. Uh, when the murders continued on. After he was convicted of the two, he was exonerated of the serial murders. Dude, I just rolled my eyes so hard that I feel like they almost fell out. Yeah, because then if you, the, I found it the most, the, the most extensive list was on the Wikipedia page um, of all of the victim or of all of the other sus- suspects. For example, I have, there was James Rogers, a black man described as a professional tramp. That's why he was, he was, because he was homeless. Because he was homeless. Mm-hmm. Well, and don't like. Um, an unnamed black man because he was seen on the train with Donna Gilman. Right. Don't get me wrong. Um, Obviously, some crimes have been committed by black men, but oh, all for of them sure. were why why is it always that that just it's just so annoying why is everybody always trying to blame it on that yeah so there's (gasps) a few suspects there's quite a few investigations done but never any determination as to who the killer was and he never paid although he may have died because he stopped after five i'm assuming he either died got incarcerated for something else uh left went somewhere else right did something else. you know there's a lot of options to that because at that time there wasn't really like a tracking kind of system mm-hmm. where you could see people moving so who fucking knows you know yeah you know he's dead now at least there's that yeah because it's definitely at now it's it's at it's like way at we're mm-hmm. like after we're like a Y two K, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> well, good job. Very interesting. Thank you. Uh, uh, Tell me well, your story. Let me pull this up. Mine is also A T. Oh, um, it's A T. Yeah. Well, I mean, mine is A T. <laughs> You're right. It also has a liar, liar pants on fire in it, just like yours did. Oh. Um, I'm gonna tell you about lying Randall Lee Smith fucking liar 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 pants on fire nose as long as a telephone wire <laughs> you know like pinocchio because he lies so much that his nose grows so it's as long as a telephone wire even though most telephone wires are now underground but yeah okay um so thank you for that <laughs> marvelous introduction you're welcome uh randall lee smith was born june 29th 1953 in virginia i need you I to also- stop saying randall like that. randall <laughs> Oh, I say it like, through the whole out of the, thing. Out of the corner of your mouth. Randall. <laughs> He's a fucking guy, I tell you what. Um, so 
some of the sources said some said like in 1954 mm-hmm. like it didn't say a day it just said in 1954 that he was born but multiple That's when said, Linda was born multiple said june 1953 though so i don't know but this is what i found so just letting everybody know this is where it is because a ps the wikipedia page on this malarkey it's two paragraphs long so i had to do a lot of like deep diving into other things and trying trying to make sense of stuff because usually i'll just use wikipedia as like my skeleton and then i fill in different information from other things and it makes it much easier Mm -hmm. this time not not a thing uh so his parents divorced when he was only like six months old and he lived with his mother the rest of his life Mm -hmm. um his mother's name is Loretta, and they lived in Pierceburg. It's like Paris, but with E-A-R, um, Pierceburg, Virginia. Okay. okay. Loretta was a nurse's aide until she died in 2000. Just a little info on Loretta. For whatever reason, the first few years of Randall's life, his mom dressed him as a girl. So that's a little tidbit of information that Way I was like. to fuck him up early, Lynn, or Loretta. Loretta. Yeah, no, and that's, I'm like, how many serial killers and, like, killers in general have that backstory where they were forced to wear clothes that were not, like, Mm -hmm. what they chose to wear, like, I don't, it's so weird. It's so weird that that's a thing, but I'm sure it just plants that nice little seed of insanity, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyhow, uh, as a child, he collected arrowheads, and he spent a lot of time outside in the wilderness. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer vibes. (laughs) that too except jeffrey dahmer like the bones <laughs> put the bones in the chocolate no yeah, um yeah. he liked being in the wilderness and he wasn't very social he didn't participate in any like group activities in the community or at school he even left school as a junior to go work he got a job as a <clears throat> excuse me as a shipyard welder and he worked between ingram and newport news Virginia kind of bopped around in different areas wherever the work was and he it seems like he really liked it it was very like chaotic like for me I would not be too keen on that because I like to know what I'm doing but he seemed to like it so whatever good for you uh and as an adult he still liked to wander about in the wilderness specifically he liked to walk around on the Appalachian Trail uh, which is about 2,000 miles and stretches from Georgia all the way up to Maine. So it's the whole East just Coast area. Just wandering. Yep, he just liked to hang out, you know, just hang out. Uh, he would tell his co-workers outlandish and fabricated stories about his marriage and his family from everything that I read. He was not married and did not have a family. <laughs> so I'm not, he legitimately just made it up. Hence his nickname, Lying Randall Smith. Okay. Okay. Got it. Makes so now sense. We're, now we're going to fast forward because this is like when he's 20-ish. We're going to fast forward to 1981. So he's closer to 30, mm-hmm. right? 27 or so. And it's the spring of 1981. Laura Susan Ramsey and Robert Mountford Jr., who are 27-year-old social workers, decide they're going to do a camp out to raise money for a like mental illness charity that they work for. So they got like people to sign up and pay for them to, you know, pay in order for them to go stay in the wilderness for a couple days, right? Like mm-hmm. hike this far and they give that much to the charity. So they set this up and they 
when they started, they did meet another hiker that they befriended and they ended up parting ways. But before they parted ways, they decided that in a couple days, we're going to meet in Parisburg, in Piersburg, Piersburg. I can't figure out how to say it, but it's fine. Um, for food, just to make sure that all of us got to that like meeting point, right? Right. Uh, so this friend showed up and Robert and Laura did not. I heard a few things say, call Laura Susan, and that's her middle name. So I don't know if she went by Susan, but okay. I'm going to call her Laura just because that's her first name. Uh, so this friend ended up calling the police being like, hey, we were supposed to meet here. It's been a day now. They haven't shown up. Something's up. Right. And so he reported them missing. Tom Lawson, who was the deputy sheriff, gathered a group of police officers together and they began to search the trail. They asked all the people they came across, obviously, like, hey, have you seen this couple? Get out of the woods, man. Right. Have you seen this couple? They're this, this, this. Most of them said no. Pretty much all of them were like, mm, nope. But there was one group of people that said they had seen them at this like rest stop cabin. Mm -hmm. So basically there's just like this um, little structure that you can rest at and it's right over like one of the big steep hills so that you can rest. And then once you're ready, you can start off again. Mm -hmm. um, they said they had seen them there talking to a strange man who was acting kind of sporadically. He was making weird gestures with his body and stuff. And they're, you know, weird enough to where it took, they took note of it. Right. Um, so they headed towards the shelter that they said they saw him at. And once they reached it, it was about May 30th. So they started about, I want to say, if I remember correctly, like the mid-May, so like May 19th. So this last sighting of them was 11 days before this. Okay. I know that much, but I don't know when they so started So they've been hiking. missing for 11 days? Yeah. Okay. Um, officially. I mean... That was the last been, time yeah. these people saw them at the shelter. Right. So, okay. I don't know. Uh, as they, as they searched the building, a man noticed, like one of the people noticed that there was a huge blood stain on the ground. Always a good sign, you know, always, um, always signs that something really awesome happened. Right. So with that, they began looking a bit more intently around the building and in the building. Cause first they were just going to see if maybe they stayed there and they just, something happened and that's where they just held up shelter yeah um so they went outside and nearby they found a pile of leaves that looked a little out of character like it didn't match anything else in the area and oh, so that's never good right so they shuffled it around with their foot right and they found and, a body well they found a sleeping bag that Ooh. had a mass in it a ma Ooh. Ooh. yeah yeah, so they cut it open, and inside of that was Laura Susan Ramsey's body. She had been stabbed multiple times and then bludgeoned over the head to death is what they could gather from her body at the time. Oh. Uh, then the next day, they brought in a sniffer dog because they still hadn't found Robert's body. Mm -hmm. They brought in a sniffer dog, and he led them to a very shallow-ish grave, like under by the root of a tree and he okay. was also in his sleeping bag and he had been shot by a 22 round in the head and that it was the cause of death okay just a kaboom okay <clears throat> so it seems that they had been like dragged from the shelter like that's where it happened and they were dragged out and then hidden in these shallow graves 
Near the site, they also found Laura's camera, but it was missing its film because first they were like, ooh, maybe there's some pictures on here that would give us a clue. It was taken out of the camera. Okay. Uh, They also found her backpack, which contained a, they like took everything out of the backpack and they uh, fingerprinted everything. And they found a, a paperback book and it had mostly Laura's fingerprints on it, but it did have a set of fingerprints on it that didn't belong to Laura. They assumed it was Roberts, but it ended up not being Roberts. It ended up being good old lying Randall Smith's. Oh, you. Oh, you bitch, right? You, you, this motherfucker. Right. No, agreed. Don't worry. It just keeps getting more and more interesting. So the police went it, around. But continue. <laughs> Wait, hold on. So the police found, like, went to Randall's house after they found his fingerprints. And he wasn't home. But they had a search warrant, so they broke down his door and went in anyway. Uh, They found bloody clothes and items that belonged to the two hikers that seemed to have been missing. They also found loads of porn and hospital tools that looked like they had been, like, made into toys. I don't know what they mean by that. What does that mean? But multiple articles said it. I'm assuming like implements of either torture or sexual toys or something, but made into toys. But like, what if he had made them into like actual toys? Like he had taped a bunch of scalpels together to look like a race car. It's my race car. It's my race car. <laughs> well, and I'm just like, who gives a shit if he likes a dildo up his butt? All right. Like maybe he likes it. That's fine. That's don't no kink shaming. Yeah, no, but if you're using it on other people, then I I shame all your kinks if they're not wanting to do it too, you know? Right. Consent is important, kids. So another thing that they found was a note basically saying that Randall had been kidnapped and was being held hostage for whatever reason, but it was written in Randall's handwriting, according to Randall. Yeah, so he was just trying to, like, red herring them and, like, throw them off somewhere else. Nice try, though, you know. How hard is it to not write in your own handwriting? Like, it's super easy to just just put it in your right hand and write, like. Or your left hand, if you're not a left-handy, you devil of a human. I'm just kidding. That, was, that used to be a thing. You know that used to be a thing. Uh, my Uncle Rob used to get beaten in school. Yeah. Why a shitty handwriting. Yeah. No, because he's left-handed. So, I'm glad that stigma's done. (laughs) I don't know. We should probably bring that back. (laughs) Right? Scrape. Perfect. Why not? Let's just beat people for writing with their left hand. (laughs) (laughs) Seems reasonable. Not. Uh, So, the search for Randall Smith was on because he wasn't home and he obviously took off and disappeared somewhere, right? Right. Uh, Everywhere they looked, they couldn't find him. They asked like his normal hot like spots where he would sit and eat and stuff. They're like, haven't seen him in days. They ran the trail and no sign of him. So after that man in a coon's age, I haven't seen him in decades. No, Um, but he just seemed to have disappeared. And so with searches kind of coming up empty, Deputy Lawson, so the one who's heading this investigation, he had a family vacation that was coming up. So he's like, I'm going to go take it because we're not getting anything anyway. You guys keep chugging along. We're going to go to Myrtle Beach. Okay. So him and his family went to Myrtle Beach just for a short vacay. Mm -hmm. And 
coincidentally, while he's on vacation, he gets a call from his department. They're like, hey, there's been an arrest in Myrtle Beach of a man who is strongly suspected to be this Randall Smith guy. The fuck? So on his family vacation, (laughs) Deputy Lawson. I bet you his wife was so happy. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) I would be so excited. I'd be like, really? We literally just left because you have been working 24-7 for the last two weeks. This is how we're going to do our vacation. This is what we're doing. Okay, go. Have fun. I hope you enjoy it. it's fine. I'll take care of the kids. You go. You go. Have fun. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) anyway, (laughs) he goes to the police department where he's this man is being held and he starts talking to him and this man insists he doesn't know who he is i don't know my name i don't remember how i got here i don't know anything and the detective could tell that he had been in the wilderness for quite some time Mm -hmm. because he had so bugs are insane on the appalachian trail like everything i read it's like say that again appalachian say it again Appalachian? Is it Appalachian? I'm pretty sure it's Appalachian. I've heard both, so... Appalachia, but I'm pretty sure it's Appalachia. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure we'll get told, but it's fine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I don't live there. I don't know. I don't... Um, I, I've heard both. Try and both, say so... boots correctly if you're not from Minnesota, okay? Or don't make fun of me for how I say boots. Boots <laughs> is the correct way of saying it. It's a double O bits <laughs> so this guy he had bug bites all over his body that mm-hmm. were scratched to the point of infection and so the deputy basically was just like oh well we need to get you to a doctor but we can't do that until you sign this release form saying that we can bring you to a medical facility so this guy like leans up and scratches something on the paper he writes down randall lee smith <laughs> you fucking dumbass so um, <laughs> you're so fucking dumb that's like that's like the robbers who sign the deposit slip right and then rob the bank <laughs> or right the lady who when you're robbing the bank goes okay that's fine but i need your id <laughs> it was just so like that's what did it huh you just signed your actual name good although Great. that is known that is a known practice for people like if they have muscle memory as opposed to like full total amnesia or partial amnesia they can i just have you sign your name here and then they just automatically just write it you retain your like it's muscle memory retention like you remember your hand remembers writing your name yeah i mean that makes sense that has been used as a technique to like but randall's just a little bitch so right i'm not saying that's what's happening now i'm just saying (laughs) that that has been used as a technique when they find people then they don't remember who they are right here's your name yeah just write your name down and then you just they just write it down and it's like holy fucking shit how'd you uh, you know my name's paul oh no stanley yelnats <laughs> that's the same Aww. spell backwards and forwards yes yes it is anyway he was extradited back to virginia obviously uh randall was 27 at the time uh the death penalty was on the table for this uh but he got 30 years instead because one of the two hikers, which it didn't say which one in any of the things that I read, uh, one of their fathers were a minister and against the death penalty. 
So he was like, I'm fine with him taking a plea. Like he didn't fight for it. And he was like, I'm cool with that. Don't feel like you need to fight for the death penalty. Uh, Obviously people weren't happy with this light sentence. It was a double murder for no apparent motive, which is why they also wanted to do the plea because there wasn't really a motive. So it was going to be hard to like fully stick it Mm -hmm. if he didn't just confess. All you had was his fingerprints on a book. Exactly. And in near his town where he lives. So it's Mm -hmm. like he would, he hikes these trails all the time. He found this backpack, looked at the book and was like, oh, okay, whatever, you know? So they were like, we'll take the plea deal. Sounds good. But people were pissed about the fact that he only got 30 years. Mm -hmm. Um, They thought that he should get much more than that for a double murder. And guess what? He only served like 15 of the 30 years because he was a model prisoner and And a white uh, that too um and didn't like smoke weed too Mm because that'll keep you in prison forever jesus mary and joseph so i almost said something very political yeah don't do that we're not gonna (laughs) let's not go there (laughs) let's not let's not do all that i don't wanna um but so he was released in 1996 to his mother's house so he lived back in Pierceville, Pierceville, whatever. Uh, obviously, kind of a social pariah because nobody wanted mm-hmm. him there. They all knew what he had done. Uh, so she passed away, though. His mother passed away in 2000. And he kind of became even more of a recluse. They, people in the neighborhood and in the area said that they would see him still regularly walk the Appalachian. Is that what I mean? Uh, Appalachian, 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 I don't know. Appalachian, Apple. Walk the trail. Walk the trail. Um, <laughs> uh, where he had murdered these two people and talked, he, he had been seen talking to other hikers that didn't know who he was and oh, what. That's creepy. Yeah, no, that it grosses me out thinking about it. So in March of 2008, so this is eight years after his mother died, he's been out for probably 12 years, I think. Mm-hmm. He gathered a small amount of things, walked into the woods, and just went off the grid. <gasps> he brought um, his dog bow, some clothes, and uh, some like camping gear. It was just out of nowhere. It took Peace six weeks. Six weeks for people in the neighborhood to realize he was even gone because he was that much of a like mm-hmm. kind of kept to himself guy. And so. After six weeks, you know, people started calling into the deputy being like, he's not around. I don't know what's going on. They did a safe, like a check on him and he wasn't there. So they put up missing posters of him um, around the area. Right. So <clears throat> now it is May, about seven weeks, eight weeks after he's gone off the grid. May 6th of 2008, two fishermen, Scott Johnston and Sean Farmer were trout fishing in Bushy Mountain, which is right off of the trail. <laughs> Appalachia. Appalachia. Appalachian Appalachian? 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 I don't know. Apples um, and ocean. Appalachian. <laughs> that's not right at all. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> so they saw this man come out of the bushes, like out of the trees. He's oh. just appears. And he waves at them and they kind of wave back. And so this part also. Get out of here, creepy wild mountain man. 
there was an article that said that Scott had met him a day before or two days before and then he came to their campsite and like pointed in the direction of their campsite and then he came so that's why it wasn't super weird but then other ones said that he just came to their campsite Mm. so I'm not sure which one is exactly right but he introduced himself as Ricky Williams hi I'm Ricky Williams so Scott and Sean invited Ricky to come have some of the fish that they had just caught for dinner because that's just like one of the normal things in the area I guess is when you come upon somebody who is Mm -hmm. on their own you offer what you you know yeah it's like their thing so they offer him he accepts the invitation and he sits down they cook up the fish and his dog sitting there they cook up a little fish for the dog and they're just kind of hanging out chatting um the where they were set up for camp was only like a mile and a half away from where that um the murders had taken place in 1981 Mm -hmm. so that's kind of creepy to me even though it doesn't really make a difference but still kind of creepy to think like oh my gosh there were two people just like killed in the woods uh so scott and sean asked ricky about himself they're like hey so tell us what's up with you oh he (laughs) here's ricky's story ready yeah so he's he taught he graduated top of his class in uh virginia tech he has written many papers for nasa uh he was rich and he had houses in georgia and in florida and he was married to a woman who was a miss usa runner-up he get his head caught back off and then he sewed it back on this is what i'm saying it was just (laughs) all this stuff that you know sean and scott are looking at him like clearly he's making this up this is like he's a gaunt tired hasn't eaten in a while looking middle-aged man man. yeah so they're like "Mm, okay and they just humored him you know they weren't gonna be like okay you're lying to us stupid Mm -hmm. ass uh but when the sun started to like get close to going down the two men were a little concerned as to why this man hadn't left yet to get back to his campsite which he said was a couple miles away mm-hmm. they're like you don't want to get caught in the dark uh one of them had go even on mentioned, get exactly one of them had even mentioned like hey shouldn't you be getting back it's starting to you know get dark once the sun goes down you know it's supposed to be and it was like a new moon or close to a new moon so there was like no light whatsoever mm-hmm. that night um and finally like 30 minutes after that comment was made they said Ricky stands up and is just like, all right, well, thank you for the dinner. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You know, maybe we'll catch each other on the trail tomorrow or something. And he turns around and then he goes, come on, Bo. So definitely Randall, obviously, Mm -hmm. because he called his dog Bo. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, okay, you know, whatever. This is where it kind of becomes almost a horror movie because he starts walking away and then he pulls a 22 out of his pocket turns to the men and shoots four times uh hitting both of them two times sean got hit in the temple and in the chest and scott got hit two times in the neck once in the side and then when he turned to run he got shot in the back of the neck like after he realized what happened so even with that the two men just began to run they just Mm -hmm. took off and it's probably already pumping so they probably didn't even feel it at first you know mm-hmm. just boom boom go right uh scott took off into the woods because that was the closest thing to him mm-hmm. and then sean ran to his truck like got to his truck got into the truck um into the seat turned 
saw Randall running at him. Randall neared the passenger seat, pulled up his gun, pulled the trigger, and there was no more bullets left. <gasps> yeah. So he what? watched him pull the trigger. Oh God. And no more bullets left. And so he starts fumbling with it, trying to reload it. Mm-hmm. And at that point, Sean takes off in his truck and turns and goes as fast as he can down to the next road, turns the fucking corner, and there's a like a figure in the road, like a person's in the road. It's got it's Scott. Oh god. Scott ran through the trees to the nearest road and he came around the corner. I'm sorry, but if I was Scott, I'd be like, you fucker, you left me. Don't drive. <laughs> right? No, it's so fucking wild. So even with all of this, they're still driving. It's dark out. Obviously, they're like, we're not going to make it to the nearest hospital. And so Scott hops in, they take off, and Scott's all concerned. So his biggest concern when he's telling the story is that he left his truck there with the keys. This guy could just jump in there and find them no time because neither of them are fully functioning to, you know, go as fast as they can on these winding dirt roads, you know. And so they are running as fast, running, they are driving as fast as they're able to. And the nearest hospital is 30 miles away. So they don't think that they're going to survive if they have to drive there. They find a house with lights on. It's about five minutes away. They pull in. Scott, who's been shot twice in the neck, jumps out, knocks on the door, like chaotically trying to get Mm -hmm. someone's attention. Uh, The woman who lived there, Melissa miller was at first was like this is like someone's trying to break in freaking out finally gets the door sees that there's like blood so she opens the door calls for her son randy go get some towels call 911 so she grabs the towels they start putting pressure on the wounds sean's now in the house too Mm -hmm. um and randy at this point is talking to these guys and trying to get like as much information from them as they can while they're waiting for the um emts to get there because they're far out like Mm -hmm. 20 minutes later they still haven't made it right so um he's getting this information they're giving them the details of this guy and so randy pulls out a missing persons poster (gasps) of randall and so they know it's him because they're like yeah that's the guy this is the guy that just you know attacked us and then 20 minutes go past right Mm -hmm. and fucking (laughs) i'm sorry scott is like can i call my parents because he didn't think he was gonna make it he's like i'm Mm -hmm. starting to fade fast i need to just say goodbye and you know do the final stuff but within minutes of that the emts show up and they bring a police officer they try to stabilize them in the cabin Mm -hmm. but that was not happening so they called in the helicopters helicopters got there like instantly like a helicopter yeah, I know it's wild. <laughs> like something that doesn't have to follow the winding roads. Right. <laughs> uh, so they load Scott into the helicopter and Scott says that at this point he was almost sure he was going to die. He even overheard mm-hmm. one of the um, emergency people in the helicopter say, I don't think he's going to make it. In fact, he thought that he had died at one point. And then he said, once they landed on the landing pad and the like down breeze from everything shutting down hit him and mm-hmm. he like rewoke up. He knew he made it and he had like this renewed hope of being able to make it. And I'm like, my heart. Okay. Anyway. So, uh, they landed in at Roanoke hospital and it turns out that Randy, the son, like I said, had ID'd it with them. So they knew who they were looking for Mm -hmm. later that night, Virginia state troopers 
a Virginia State trooper was driving down the road and eight miles away or so from where this happened, he spotted Scott's, not Scott's, Sean's, yeah, Scott's truck. Mm-hmm. The two S names, I keep mixing them up. Yeah. Um, Scott's truck driving the opposite direction as him. Uh-uh-uh. So like, okay, turns around, turns on his lights and starts taking off. The truck tries to take off as fast as it can, loses control, flips mm-hmm. over, ends up on like upside down in the ditch. And of course, he like pulls his gun and he comes out and he's saying, you know, hands up, don't don't do anything, whatever. So his 22, Randall, because obviously he's mm-hmm. the one in the truck, had fallen onto the ceiling of the truck. Okay. And so he couldn't get to it the way mm-hmm. that he was hanging upside down um and the unconscious randall was taken to the same hospital as the two fishermen fun fact and when he woke up he said that the shooting was in self-defense not sure how you try to pull that but you stole their truck you were on their campsite Mm -hmm. i don't know about nice try uh he was transported ported to the medical wing of the jail that was near there and on May 9th, a couple of days after the officers had like were giving him dinner and whatever, this officer walks in, calls like, hey, you know, here's dinner, whatever, calls a couple times. He doesn't respond, doesn't come to the door at this medical wing of this mm-hmm. jail. And so he opens it up, unlocks it, and there he is lying on the floor. Uh the medical workers came, tried to revive him, but he was dead. Um, Randall was 54 at this time, but he had died most likely of like aftermath of his okay. crash. Yeah. Cause they did, they looked into like, there was no suicidal anything. There was mm-hmm. no um, questionable circumstances. It was just a natural death. And they think it was just injuries caused mm-hmm. by his accident and the fact that he hadn't really been eating very well over the last how many weeks. And it just right. all culminated into him dying. Uh, His funeral, Randall's funeral, was only about 30 minutes, and they didn't even announce it to anybody until after he had been buried just to avoid uproar in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was buried next to his mother, and Bo, the dog, was adopted by a family, and so he's being taken care of, and both Scott and Sean survived and are living the best life they can with a gunshot wound gunshot wound issues from the neck and head but Mm -hmm. they're they're alive and they're thriving so that is definitely an episode of i survived though (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah okay i didn't like i never look up like tv shows so i had no idea and it didn't say anything on like the wikipedia on the bottom Mm -hmm. i mean maybe it did but i didn't dig into it too deep you know that's the story I I didn't know the back end part of that. I don't think they talked about that in the I Survived episode. I think it was just... Oh, I'm sure just like Scott and Sean's story. Sean's story, story. yeah. So that's why when you were like telling me it at first, I was like, I don't... It can't be that same story because like it was like the same area and everything like that. But then I'm like, I don't remember that part of the story. And then you got... It was like they're fishing. And then he... When you started talking about it being awkward for him to to leave. Yeah. That's when I like clicked because in the show they were like, we were like, all right, dude, come on. Hey, go. Like, go on. You're welcome. Welcome. <laughs> um, but yeah, that 
that's the story and like i said i originally went into it with trying to get the story of the of laura and robert and it just it took a turn being an interesting like ending twist ending to it, it. so <laughs> there it is good jobs my dad got a pee. ready and i'm hungry so i'm hungry too thanks my head hurts for... i gotta take more medicine thanks for listening guys mm-hmm. spread the word and yourself spread yourself just remember bt and at BT. enjoy at 2022 at that's how we're gonna tell yes. time from now on I'm going to try to remember after and before Titanic. Spread yourself. Was, Don't spread the word. Just spread yourself, you big whore. 2022, all about you. All about you. <laughs> so original. Thank you. All right. Bye. All right. Goodbye. Love you.